Amen. God is good. We, uh, we want today, want to continue in our series, Teach Us to Pray. The disciples told Jesus, you know, teach us to pray. Why? Because they wanted to know how to be people who could effectively pray. How many of you want to learn how to effectively pray? Because it's really about us talking to the Lord through the Holy Spirit, saying, Lord, lead us and guide us. Get us where we need to be. Get us there safely. Protect us. I mean, there's... There's all these things that, that, you know, God desires in our lives, and then there's things that we desire, and ideally, God wants us to desire the same things. Uh, there's a, there's a, a pastor named Tim Keller. He said, if we, knew what, if we knew all that God knew, we would answer all of our prayers the same way God does. If we knew what God knew, we would answer our prayers the way that God does. Why? Because we would know what's best. We would know... What's right? We would know what is, what is sufficient. We would know what, what tends to the vision of God rather than just worldly visions. And uh, today I want to talk to you about obstacles to prayer. And I'll tell you what, I read some things this morning that made me really think. And there's some things I'm going to have to go back and re-examine. Uh, and, and I was going to kind of end with a finale, but I think I'm going to start with it because I want you to begin to think about something with me. You know, uh, Amberly came up with a word talking about us being adopted. When you read the book of Ephesians, it says that we are no longer strangers, okay? We're now now. We're no longer aliens. We're citizens now, okay? We're no longer orphans, but we are children of the king, amen? I mean, this, this is a status that is unchangeable. This is a status that we all have, us that are born again. You must be born again. Everybody say it with me. You must be born again. You've got to know Jesus. And more importantly, Jesus has to know you through a born-again experience. Going to church doesn't save us. Reading our Bible doesn't save us. It is repenting and believing in the work of Jesus. It's, that's not even a work. It is a, it is a trusting in the work that only Jesus could do. And, and, and something also something that I want you to hear is this. Is the Bible said that, that Abraham... Believed God, right? In other words, Abraham said, I mean, God told Abraham, how long, he didn't tell him everything up front. He didn't say, I've got this magnificent plan for you. And here's what's going to be in store for you. He says, leave your home, leave, your, leave everything you've got, your family, your home, your possessions, and come with me. What did Jesus tell the disciples? Drop your nets and follow me. What is the call to us that have heard the gospel call? Take up your cross and follow me. Die to your, you know, the, the, the results of a born-again experience are life, but it does not come before death. We must die to ourselves and say, I give you my life that I may live. Amen? And Jesus talks in all these weird ways and backwards thinkings that is not natural to a natural-minded man. And, and I want to talk to you about this righteousness. It says that in the, in the Bible, it says that, that Abraham believed God, and it was, some say, it's, uh, it was uh, imputed to him as righteousness. Some say accounted to him as, as righteousness. Some say deposited to him as righteousness. But here's the deal. His state with God was righteousness. Not because of what he, not because of his works, but because of his faith. When we come to Jesus and we become born again, 
we get a credit of righteousness that is Jesus. Amen? Jesus, the Bible says that Jesus is our peace. You know, God sent Jesus as an embassy on, on, uh, with, the, with the ministry of reconciliation to which we are to be partakers in. We are on the ministry of reconciliation. We are here to help people reconcile to God through the blood of Jesus Christ. And so, and so this, 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 this was a pot deposited. You see, our accounts, our bank accounts, spiritually, were bankrupt. But Jesus made a deposit for us. The Good Samaritan, he found the man beaten and, and about to die on the side of the road, and three religious dudes walked by and said, well, look at me and you'll be okay, or let me pray for you, or, you know, just all these ritualistic religious things, and none of them did them good, but it says the Good Samaritan came and he had compassion on him. And he picked him up and he put him on his own animal. And he took him to the room and he got him a room and he got him bandaged up. And he got him back to health. And he said this. He didn't just get him back to where he was good. He said, when I come back, when I come back, if he drank too much out of the liquor cabinet. No, I'm not going to say that's not, that's not good. But if, whatever, whatever cost... Whatever cost, if he, if he watched too much TV, you know what I mean? Whatever, if he used too many sheets, if he used up too many towels, if y'all had to give him too many bars of soap, it's, just charge it to me when I return. Amen? Amen. And, and so the, the, the thing about Jesus is that he is still paying the tab. Amen? He, uh, Jesus is our righteousness. And because Jesus is our righteousness, Hebrews 4, 14 through 16 says, Since then... We have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Let us confess with a believing heart and a believing spirit. Let not Satan make you think any less or any different than the truth that is in Christ, that is the stature, that is the status that you have now been given. And it says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. You see, we have been accredited righteousness, but we still ain't fully righteous. We're still weak people. We're still sinful people. We are still needy people. Amen? Everybody, yeah, oh yeah, you should have seen me yesterday. Uh -huh. yeah, that's what everybody's thinking. Oh yes, you're right, Pastor. Thank God you don't know what I know. Thank God you don't know what I know. But he's able to sympathize with our weaknesses. You see, the high priest in the Old Testament, they could sympathize in the fact that they were, they were, they were just like you. But Jesus can still sympathize. He, he's been tempted on every way. But see, the, the Old Testament says that the priests, they made sacrifices that, that paid for your sin, but they did nothing for your conscience. They did nothing for your inside man they did nothing for your ability to sleep on a soft pillow at night knowing that you're still loved and you're still cared for and that jesus loves you and that jesus is your righteousness and that jesus is your peace it says but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin listen 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 let us then with confidence not reluctancy not doubt, not fear, not anxiety, not worry, not regret. But it says, let us within with confidence draw near 
to the throne of grace. Amen? Let us us draw near to the throne of grace. In our weaknesses. Not because we're perfect, but because Jesus is perfect. Because Jesus right now is at the right hand of the Father interceding for us. He is covering for us. He is making direct deposits into our accounts so that we may be justified right before a holy God. Amen? And that we can, we can approach Him because of Jesus. No man can come to the Father but by Jesus. We, we need to understand that Trinitarian relationship. Jesus made a way for us to commune with the Father. Like I said last week, God... I mean, one aspect of God sending His Son to die on the cross is because He simply wanted just to talk with you. That's not all of it, but that's a part of it. He wanted a relationship with you. And you can't have a relationship with somebody that you don't talk to. We may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. We receive mercy. You know, what? William's talking about the altar And what do you call that thing on top of the altar? It's the mercy seat. That's where the blood was applied so that the children of Israel could stay in the right relationship with God. But, you know, you you are justified in the eyes of God because of Jesus, because of the death and the resurrection. That's what justifies us. And you know what? It doesn't stop there. Now we're in the process of sanctification. Amen? Now, so we're justified. Justified is a done deal. There's no more, there's no more lines to sign. There's no, more, there's no more fine print to research. If you are born again, you have been justified. You have peace with the Father through Jesus Christ. You are a child of God. You are a citizen of the King. You ain't a stranger, amen? So get that in your head. And when you pray, come boldly with confidence, saying, hey, and here's the deal, though. Here's the deal, though. It's not come boldly that you've done everything right. It's come boldly even when you haven't done anything right because the tab ain't on you, it's on Jesus. Amen? Because Jesus paid it all. I've never, read a, I've never heard of him say, William paid it all, all to him I owe. What's wrong with you, man? I'm your son. You're supposed to say good job whether I can sing or not. And... and, and <laughs> It doesn't say Mickey paid it all or Christy paid it all. It says Jesus paid it all. Jesus paid it all. You know, when I go to buy something, I pull out credit cards, and I'm like, hmm, there ain't nothing on this one. This one's got a high interest. And this one here, though, has no interest. You see what I'm saying? I mean, you know, it's just... When, when, you, when, you go, when, you go to, when you go to pray, man, look, look at your options. And when your option is Jesus, you don't even have to make, you don't have to pay, make payment on it. It's got, it don't even have your name on the card. It's got Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. That's, that's whose name is on the card of the payment for the debt that we have been responsible for. And so this is what gives us the confidence to come before the Father. And so, and, and, and today I want to talk about obstacles to prayer. This is an obstacle that prevents us from praying. Kind of like last week, why pray if God is sovereign, if God is, 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 is omniscient and all-knowing, and God, you know, he's going to do it. No, it doesn't work that way. God wants us to bend and humble ourselves to him 
And God wants us to work with him. And God wants to work with us in seeing us manifest his will in our lives. Amen. He wants communion. He wants union. He wants, he wants a vision to be shared. And, uh, but he wants himself to be glorified. And so we are justified. It's a done deal. But God is working in our lives. We are being sanctified. And ultimately, we will be glorified. You know, in other words, when we go to heaven, we'll be perfect. Maybe we'll all be able to sing. Maybe none of us will need makeup. You know what I mean? You know, just, just perfection. The way God w- w- intended us to be, you know, ultimately. And so, so there's these three phases here. But right now, we're in this sanctification process. Right? And, and it, it in no way inclines that we are perfect. It means that we are being perfected through the work of Jesus in our lives. And so, there are, there, so this, this, un, this misunderstanding is the first obstacle that we need to address and understand that God wants me to, even when I fall, see, God wants us when we fall to run to Him. Just like the prodigal son. He was a son. He had, he had wandered off. He'd done stupid things. But he, in his mind, he went, I need to go to the Father. And when he went to the father, the father, bam, put the robe on him, put the ring on him, said, kill the fatted calf. You see, that's the status, that's the state that God wants to be in. We're justified. We're his son. You can't lose that title once you get it. You can't lose the title of daughter once you get it. Like Amberly said, you can't be disinherited. But in the midst of the sanctification process, being he is our father, now he's responsible for us. And it says, and says that he is a good father disciplines the ones that he loves and it's a sign here's the deal if you're not being disciplined by the father then it's a sign that you ain't his kid right so we need to have this confidence therefore there therefore there is no condemnation to them that are in christ why because now you're under grace now you're under mercy now when you fall you can go straight to straight to god through jesus christ and deal with that situation. Amen? So what are some other obstacles? See, that's an obstacle to keep you from praying. But once you begin to pray, what are some obstacles that will prevent prayers that you actually pray from being heard or answered? Well, the first one is in James 1, 5 through 8. It says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith. With no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. How many people just suppose that God's going to do something in their life? Not going back and reading the instructions like Nick, you know, so awesomely explained about giving. I mean, we, we do, we pray without reading the instructions. And, and here's the deal. Rule number one is this. Is you can boldly and confidently approach. It ain't, it ain't, it, it's, it's about when you approach God, what, what are you doing at that moment? It ain't about what you did. It ain't about falling. It ain't about messing up. It's about, but when you come into prayer, it's about dealing with all these things. I mean, when you look at the Lord's Prayer, there's a lot going on there. There's repentance. There's forgiveness of other people. There's acknowledging God, that He is God. There is the acknowledgement of His will happening on earth as it is in heaven, do you see? But He does it there. It says, forgive us. Now, not forgiveness for justification, because if you're justified, you're what? Justified. You're born again. 
Your salvation is taken care of through Jesus. But God talks about having a clean conscience between God and man. This sanctification process, this walking it out, this being transformed. But it says, if a person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord, he is double-minded, unstable in all his ways. God wants us to be single-minded. God wants us to walk in the instruction of his word. And when you, when you read the word and you have the way of the world and you put them, try to put them together, you become double-minded. You're trying to do two things at one time and it don't work out that way. You need to decide, which way am I going to believe in my life? Am I going to discipline and love and raise my kids or am I just going to do something else that the world tells me to do? Because here's the deal. If you do it, the, and, and you do it the, the, the way of the word, then you get the results of the word. If you do it the way of the world, you get the results of the world. But I mean, hey, number, so number two, the first one here is misunderstanding of the gospel. That we have the right to boldly come before the Father. Number two is faith. I mean, how many of you know that it requires faith to pray? And I, I, I don't, I, maybe I have. Maybe, I'm, I'm sure we all have maybe. We prayed something that we didn't really believe was going to happen. It was just kind of like, just, well, let's just take a shot in the dark. But the thing is, is that when we pray, we need to really be focused. You know, we come in, you know, th- there's, there's nine million reasons why we could have not worshipped this morning. You're tired. You're, you know, the Bible says, cast our anxieties upon the Lord. Amen? This morning I got here and everything that had me anxious and worried, I said, Lord, it's all yours. I care less. I'm just here to worship you. Amen? And, and so we need to do those things. The third thing, the third obstacle to our prayers is our motives. Our motives. James 4, 1 through 4 says, What causes quarrels? And listen, he's writing to Jewish Christians. And Paul is rebuking them. I'm sorry, James is rebuking them because of their worldliness that is, that is allowed to come into the church because of this just ongoing unrepentant act of worldliness that he's dealing with. And he says, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? So we, we have a spirit, but we have a flesh that, that we have to constantly address. I mean, the address, the Bible says that we're to die daily. And we need to make sure that that is not at the steering wheel of our life. It says, you desire and you do not have, so you murder, you covet, and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. And he says, and you don't have because you don't even ask. In other words, you're not even approaching the Father to say, God, you know, meet this need. God, you know what, hey, I ask for things sometimes that aren't even a need and God gives them. But the deal is, is what, what decides good or bad is the motives of your heart. If it's to feed a fleshly habit or a fleshly desire or a worldly passion, God's going to say, no, that's not good for you. You know, Cammy having braces is a pain in the rear because I just can't give her any kind of candy. You know, I screwed up and got her gummy worms. I thought that was the thing to do for braces. I never had braces. I have crooked teeth, but I can eat gummy worms. You see? Matter of fact, I think I'm probably going to be the one eating the gummy bears and the gummy worms, you know? But, but, uh, but you know, so you got, you got to do the right thing. Because you do not have because you do not ask. And then verse 3 it says, You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your own passions. This happens so often. 
This ha- God, I know this man is not meant for me. I know he hates you and has nothing to do with Jesus or the church. As a matter of fact, he's a deacon in the church of Satan. But God, help our relationship work out. You laugh, but that's the kind of stuff that we deal with as pastors. You got people come up and say, look, man, there's no need praying for this because this totally violates Scripture. And they're like, but we want it to work out anyway. And you know, no. That's why prayer, prayer is just not talking, it's also listening. More so listening. It's understanding who God is. And, and, you know, you need to understand that you can boldly come before God. But here's the deal. Though, we are, though it is accredited to us as righteousness and we are justified, there's still accountability in this Christian walk. There's accountability. It's called good parenting. And God is the perfect father. How is God going to change us if he caters to all of our fleshly needs and our worldly desires? If he feeds us gummy bears when we have braces. See, I'm a crappy father. I don't even know what my kid can eat. That's Christy's responsibility. You see what I'm saying? But he says, you, you, you ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your own passions. And so as we read the word, we understand what our passions should be. As we read the word, we understand God's desire for us. As we read the word, we develop accountability so that we can walk with the Father in unity. He says, you adulterous people. Now, you would think, listen, he goes, do do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? In other words, it's hostile towards God. It's anger towards God. Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. But here's the deal. We have peace with God through Jesus Christ. Don't y'all see a little tension here? Okay, we have peace with God through Jesus Christ. But he says here that if you have friendship with the world, you have enmity with God. And he's talking to Christians here. This makes it complicated. Do we have peace? Do we have no peace? When we are faithless, God is still faithful. It doesn't say God doesn't have peace with us. It says we don't have peace with God. It's like this. God makes a, sign, make, God makes a peace treaty, and we're shooting flaming arrows at his kingdom. And God says... I'm going to discipline you because you're my son, but I'm not going to crush you. I'm not going to destroy you because I have a plan for you. Same reason I didn't destroy Nineveh. Same reason I didn't destroy the children of Israel. But don't think that God won't reach out and discipline. Here's the deal. God's saying, I have peace for you through Jesus Christ. Walk in the peace with me. Walk in accountability with me. And here's the cool thing, is what, no matter what I've done, when I've screwed up, I boldly go to the Father. Why do, they, why do they call it the throne of grace and mercy if you don't need grace and mercy? What he's saying is this, is when you find yourself defying the peace treaty, when you, do, when you find yourself defying the word, don't run away, I'm still your daddy and I still love you. Put yourself in the right place 
Come to me, receive grace and mercy with confidence and boldness that when you ask for it, what's going to happen? You're going to get it. Amen? You're going to get it. There is no question when you come to the Father humbly and say, God, Lord, 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 forgive me for what I've just done. You know, here's, I mean, justification-wise, it's already forgiven. But relationally, we need to walk with the Lord in a good conscience, amen, and accountability. And here's what he's saying is when you do this, it's granted, amen? It's granted before you even do it. Just do it. And, when you, and like I said, when you look, because if, if we are justified, all of our sins are forgiven, past, present, future, but why do we still ask for forgiveness in the Lord's Prayer? For our conscience. For our conscience. For peace. I mean, I mean, Dad and I, we've been crossed up, but I've, I've never not been Chad West because of that, you know? But it was not fun. Neither one of us could sleep. And he, when, when I've wronged him, he's gone out of his way to come to me and make it right when I've wronged him. You see, it's, it's about, don't you think God's done, gone out of his way to make things right with us? To keep the peace? Prayer is about keeping the peace. Amen? Keeping the peace. Hey, the enemy might be clamoring and wailing and making noise and tearing stuff up around you, but you can still have peace in the midst of the storm. I'm serious, dude. I'm fixing... You know, when I was in the Marine Corps, we carried an MRE spoon in my pencil pocket of my blouse. Yeah, they call them blouses. I don't know why. But your utilities, your camos, right? The top was a blouse, and the bottom was your trousers. They, you know, the, you know, the Marine Corps completely changed our language because they didn't want us to identify with the civilian world. So it is with Christ that he wants us to completely change our thinking and our words that we don't identify with the, with the world. But we used to, I used to, everybody carried an MRE spoon in their pocket because here's the deal. We, we didn't get to eat that much. We lived on Copenhagen for the most part, but there was, we knew that somewhere in the process of time there was going to be food, and we wanted to be prepared to eat when that time came because we were tired, weary, and hungry. Amen? And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to get a little MRE spoon. It's got to be an MRE spoon because it's militaristic, right? So... I'm going to drill a little hole in it. I'm going to put it on my keychain so that whenever I find myself in the midst of the enemy, I got an MRE spoon and I'm ready because the Bible says that God prepares a table before my enemy. Amen? Be ready to eat whenever, wherever. You know? Just as a reminder that, hey, you know, like we get tattoos and things to remind us of things or, or we get a, a Chinese proverb that means I'm an idiot. We don't even know it, you know, but... But have a spoon that reminds me that I can eat wherever and whenever because God is always with me. Amen? But Jesus is our peace, and when we are faithless, he is faithful. He doesn't renege. He doesn't balk. He doesn't falter. You know, when you go back and you look, when God made a covenant with Abraham, they used to take an animal and they cut it in half, Right? And like if me and William made a covenant, William and I would walk between those two halves. Saying that me and William have a covenant. Covenant's serious now. Covenant's serious. It means that no matter what you do, I'm still going to do what I'm promising to do. And, but the funny thing about it is, is Abraham didn't walk between them two halves with God. God put Abraham to sleep. He did. He said he put him to sleep. And it said that a flaming torch and a pot of smoke, right? Was a torch, uh, yeah. 
they came and went between, signifying the Son and the Holy Spirit, or anyway, signifying God. In other words, God made the covenant. God that made the covenant with himself, basically, and gives us the benefits of the covenant. Because God knew, I can't, I can't do this with man because he ain't dependable enough. I'm going to do it for him. But we get the benefits of the covenant. You got me? Fourth thing is relationships. Yesterday, Christy and I were coming home. And, and I've got a confession to make. There's a woman that's causing problems in mine and my wife's marriage. I want to see how many people passed out. Her name is Siri. And I believe, you know what, you can put a male voice on Siri, but I really believe it's a woman because when she gives you directions, she tells you one thing, but she shows you another in the illustration. And it's not that y'all are dumb, it's just we don't speak woman. It's confusing. Matter of fact, it even, it even, it even confused Christy. Because she was going, you know, take the east exit to I-10, and it's, it was doing, and there's a sign on the highway that says exit here for I-10, but she said keep going straight, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm getting three different directions right now. <laughs> but Christy and I, we get along pretty dang good right now, amen? I mean, we, we have come a long ways. God has done so much in our marriage. But I find there's this point when we're going somewhere, we're traveling, when I give her the phone, say, give me the directions. What happens, I, honestly, I end up venting on her because of this, this sorry heifer on this phone. Amen. And so, man, I got, I got frustrated. My dead gun. I, dude, I don't like driving and not where I'm, where I'm going. I do not like it. What, what Dodo here needs to do is before I crank the key, see, I, I just need to learn pace. I need to, before I turn the key, I'm going to put a sign. Set the phone first. Because I give it to Christy, and I'm already going. I'm, like, heading somewhere. I don't know where, but I want, I, want, I want directions right now. She's fighting with Siri. Now I got two women fighting in the passenger seat, you know. But I got upset yesterday, and I, and I, and I kind of lashed out on her a little bit, you know. And, uh, you know, and, and, and I didn't use any cuss words, so yay, man, I'm getting better. But <laughs> y'all know I'm just making fun, right? But the thing is, is I got aggravated with Christy because she wouldn't give me instructions enough. And I'm driving, and I'm over pouted up like a big old toad frog. And the Lord says, you know that sermon you're preaching tomorrow? I'm like, yes. First <laughs> Peter 3, 7. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. Mm. Showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. And we'll go back and talk about that in a minute. Since they are heirs with you of the grace of life. So that your prayers may not be hindered. Crud. He's like, don't be praying to me that tomorrow's sermon's going to go well. Because I ain't going to be hearing you. He said it with a Brian Fellows voice. Only William understands what I'm talking about. Oh, Christy, I'm sorry. <laughs> but, but, but he says here, so another obstacle is relationships. You know, the Bible says don't even come and give an offering if you have aught with your brother. And I believe, you know, there, it takes wisdom to an extent that, you know, not, not everything is an offense that sometimes we consider offense. But 
I think it's those things when we go to bed at night, we can't sleep because something's dealing with us and we know it and we know God's saying, you've got to deal with this. I'm talking about those things. He says, I don't even want your offering before that. And, and I believe, I mean, I, and I don't believe that husbands are the only ones that are responsible for their relationships. I believe that all people are responsible for relationships. But here's the deal. If you're a jazz honky husband, don't expect God to be listening to you. You're a Jezebel wife. Don't expect God to be listening to you. It goes both ways. God creates the perfect tension. Because you can read one half and rejoice. You read the other half and you're like, oh, I better chill out a little bit. He's talking to me too. But he says, likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. So our relationships are important, especially that of our wives. And he says the weaker vessel. Man, you could argue about that for days. Here's the, it doesn't mean inferior. It doesn't mean stupid. But it may, basically it goes to the fact that the man is supposed to be the leader of the house. Don't treat your wife like a dumb slave. Don't treat her like a dirty dog. And expect God to just respond to you every time you open your mouth. It matters. It matters. And then the last thing, the last obstacle, so just to kind of go back over. We need to have an understanding of the gospel. That's the, that's the first obstacle that will keep us from praying. The rest of these are obstacles that will hinder your prayers once you've prayed them. Obviously faith, your motives, your relationships. But then the last one, the last obstacle is just the lack of persistence. The lack of persistence. Luke 18, 1 through 8, it says, And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always pray and not lose heart. What does Paul say? Pray without ceasing. I think some people think, like, pray without having a seizure. You know what I mean? Pray, but he says, pray without ceasing. 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 <laughs> without ceasing. Without locking up. Need some, uh, what's that stuff we used to put on boats? Never cease. Yeah, you need some never cease on your prayers. Pray without ceasing. He said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him saying, Give me justice against my adversaries. Who wants justice against your adversaries? Well, don't shoot them because you'll go to prison. He says, for a, while he refused, but a for, a for a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God, nor respect man. In other words, I don't give a flip what God says. And I don't give a flip what man says. He says, yet because this widow keeps bothering me. Now this ain't talking about us bothering God. We don't bother God. What he's talking about is this. He says, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, hey, I'm done. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? And what he's saying is this, is if a non-caring individual will respond because of persistence, how much more who does care and does love and is concerned, how much more will I reply? your persistency 
We need to pray without ceasing. We need to continuously pray. We need to get up and pray. We need to pray all day. We need, you know, we need, we need to continually be in prayer. We need to shout on the rooftops like Dad does, for real. You hear what I'm saying? So these obstacles, you know, God, God is telling you, you can boldly come before me, but don't let these obstacles get in the way because though you are justified, I'm, I want to sanctify you. I want to change you. And the only way I'm going to change you is by you obeying and listening and trusting, letting me be your harbor master, getting you down the river safely to the direction you must go. And through prayer, we can pray and it totally just be words. Or we can pray according to God's pattern and we can allow the Holy Spirit to guide us down the river and, and get us to where we need to go. Or we can just recite stuff. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Or we can pray with, with humility, seeking God's mercy and justice because we need it. Amen? So what is the Holy Spirit saying to you today? Bow your head and close your eyes. Some of you say, well, I've got the, the obstacle of faith. I don't really trust God the way I ought to. You know, faith is this. It's saying, I trust you, God. I trust the answer you give me. I trust the way you do this. And I trust how you handle this. It's trusting God, period, in all ways when you, when you go to him in prayer. Some of you say, I need to check my motives. I'm trying to get God to grant me worldly desires. I'm trying to get God to, to allow my worldly desires to come to fruition when that's not his desire for me. I'm going to God for the wrong reasons. Some of you relationships, some of you men, you, God's not going to hear your prayers because you you're harsh to your wife. You don't love your wife as Christ has loved the church. And some of us, we just pray one time and we walk away. And we wonder why we don't see the fruit. Because sometimes prayer is like a, like a seed. We plant it and we've got to water it and we've got to harvest it. Because, you know, that sometimes it's just God's times and seasons. And God is a lot more patient than we are. We talked about that last week. But what is the Holy Spirit saying to you today? Be open. Be honest. Here's the deal. The repercussion of this is this. When we go to God and we're open and we're humble and we're, 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 we're confessing and repentant, the result is this, is that he's there waiting on you to hear you and to talk to you and to deal with the needs. But how many of you today have all these obstacles say, I've got an obstacle in my life? Just lift your hands. Amen. Hands everywhere. Well, you know what? Altar time is a great and wonderful time to do what? Approach the throne of grace and mercy. To say, God, forgive me. God, receive me because that's what you promised you would do when I come to you. And help me deal with this obstacle that gets in the way of our conversation. That gets in the way of our walking together. That gets in the way of our relationship. Because I want to see your will manifest in my life, God. So as each and every one stands today, if you lifted your hands, come today to the throne of grace and say, Lord, forgive me and help me deal with this obstacle in Jesus' name.